so glad God saves old sinners. I'm thrilled and amazed. But the biggest surprise in redeeming old sinners.
this morning. Well, it's good to see you on this Sunday after Thanksgiving. Brother Ken, let's sing together this morning. Amen. We're going to sing I Know My Name Is There this morning, all four verses. Y'all help us out this morning. Sing a song like you really mean it today. I Know My Name Is There. for being with us this morning in the house of the Lord. And for those who are joining us via live stream, we surely appreciate your presence this morning as well. Several requests, as always, I want to bring to your attention. Continue to lift up uh, the Biggs family that have been struggling with COVID. Others in our church who've been struggling with COVID, pray for Brother Donnie, Brother Eddie Gunner, both of these gentlemen still going through their cancer treatments. We've got several in our church under the weather. Then I put out on our call system on Wednesday, I believe, about Sister Doris Briggs. Uh, Her son is here this morning. Daryl, raise your hand if you're Brother Daryl Donovan. I want you all to be praying for Sister Doris, uh, his mom. Uh, As we put out, she's had a massive stroke and is down at Baptist Hospital and uh, just waiting on what the Lord's going to do. So we're going to ask for a miracle in that behalf. Thank you for your continued prayers for my mother-in-law. She remains in the hospital but is out of critical condition, and so we thank the Lord for that, likely having some more procedures coming this week. Would you join me in praying for the services today? We need the presence of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you today, and we say thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house this morning. 
God, we sure count it an honor and a privilege to assemble ourselves together on this, uh, the Lord's Day. Lord, uh, we thank you for church doors that are open for those who are joining via live stream. But most of all, we thank you for the presence of the Holy One in our midst. Lord, we know that you're omniscient, omnipresent, but we ask that you'd manifest yourself here in our midst this morning. Lord, that you would uh, show up in such a way that folks would walk out of here knowing that they'd been in the presence of the King of Kings. Lord, we've got lots of requests this morning, but we've got a God that knows all things and answers all things according to his divine will. So we ask that you would speak peace to our hearts as we bring the these requests to you this morning for the preaching time the singing may it all uplift the precious name of Jesus and we'll say thank you for all that you do in your holy sweet name we pray amen you can be seated you pray for the choir this morning sure love to hear Matt sing this song I hope it blesses your heart come on buddy Yeah. 
We're going to do one more for you this morning. I haven't done this in a long time. And uh, how, how many of you understand when, when, you, when you sing a song all week long, the best thing you do is you show up and sing it. So the choir is going to sing this this morning. I'm glad when I don't know where to go or what to do, I know who to turn to. I hope this song blesses you. Let's sing it.
Thank you so much this morning for being here and worshiping with us this morning. Man, I love that song. Uh, Kyla Rowland wrote a classic when she wrote that, and they so often watch us, so I want her to know how much we appreciate her words and her lyrics, and we appreciate uh, what they've contributed to our worship service this morning. Several announcements uh, let me bring to your attention this morning. First of all, a reminder, no services this coming Wednesday night, but we invite everyone here to the church on Friday at 6 o'clock for the wedding of Anna Helms and James Hodges. Everyone invited to the ceremony. Uh, uh, And so if you'd like to be with us, we'd love to have you Friday night at six o'clock here at the church next Sunday morning. I'm so excited uh, to announce this to you. You may remember back in September when we were scheduled for our end of summer jubilee, end of August, early September, we of course had to cancel that because of COVID within our church and within our community. Uh, And uh, Brother Gary Blaylock was scheduled to preach. He's the pastor at Shining Light Baptist Church with a joyful sound. So they're all going to be with us this coming Sunday morning, a week from today. Brother Gary will be preaching. The Joyful Sounds will be singing. I love this preacher. Of course, everybody loves the Joyful Sounds, and I can't wait for you all to meet Brother Blaylock. He's been to our church for our Christmas uh, uh, cantata, our Christmas show every year. So uh, you keep that in mind. Be with us if at all possible. We'd sure love to have you. Then uh, teens and young adults, please note the date change in the bulletin. We had to change the date by one day, but we'll be hosting uh, the teens and young adults at our home, the Chatham House on Saturday, December the 18th, 6 o'clock, games, food, fellowship, and an ugly Christmas sweater contest. Uh, Amen. I've seen his. It's pretty ugly. So uh, you come and enjoy. If you can, teens and young adults, uh, we'll have a great time. Please mark your calendars for that. Also mark on uh, uh, December the 22nd, the Wednesday before Christmas, we'll be having, Lord willing and weather permitting, another outdoor service. Had a wonderful one last year. We're going to do that again this year. So you mark your calendars be with us on that Wednesday night. We'll begin at 7 o'clock. We'll have lots of good things out there. Cocoa, uh, hot coffee, and the Christmas story, singing, caroling, and reminding ourselves that even in the midst of the global pandemic, Jesus is still the reason for the season. So uh, you mark your calendars and be with us on that day, if at all possible. A couple of other announcements now that are not in your bulletin. We'll have them in for next week. These are related to our senior saints and upcoming trips that you'll be taking on Sunday, uh, December the 12th, uh, heading to Shenandoah Baptist Church in Roanoke for a live nativity that begins at 2 o'clock, leaving here at the church rather at 2 o'clock. And then on Thursday, December the 16th, traveling to the Charlotte Speedway to look at the Christmas lights there, leaving the church at 1 o'clock that day. 1 o'clock that day, where is she? She's in the nursery, yeah. One o'clock that day, making sure I'm reading this correct. So keep your uh, eyes peeled for that. We'll have that in the bulletin for next week. Saints, make your mark your calendars for that. And then one other reminder that all of our devotion guides are here for December and the upcoming quarter, whether you use the Call to Glory or the uh, Baptist Devotional, uh, our Daily Bread, all of those are here. And also our Sword of the Lord is here as well. Make sure you avail yourselves to that. Kara, you come get ready to sing for us. Ushers, make your way down this morning if you would. You be obedient unto the Lord. If God blessed you during the Thanksgiving season, give us a big amen. If you're fat and happy, give us an even bigger amen. I didn't hear a word coming out of my associate pastor. He's fired. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. And we're so thankful just to be here together. Lord, I pray your blessings upon the offering today. May it be what you'd have it to be. Bless the gift and the giver now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, Kara.
I'm weak, then I'm I strong. What a beautiful song, Kara. Let's all stand together one more time. We'll sing out unto the Lord. Brother Ken, come lead us. Amen. This morning we'll do the windows of heaven. We'll do it one time through. That's the windows of heaven.
Brother James and Miss Anna, come on, make your way this morning.
Wonderful job, Kara. Wonderful job. Turn your Bibles this morning to Isaiah chapter 55, if you would, please. Isaiah chapter 55. <clears throat> Come, y'all get ready to sing this song. Isaiah chapter 55. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. I've asked them to sing this song. It goes right along with the message this morning. I think it'll bless you. Come on, y'all.
Thank you so much. Isaiah chapter 55. Have you found your place? Say amen if you have. We're going to read verse. Let's try that again. Say amen if you have. You had five minutes. You should have found it by now. Amen. Isaiah chapter 55, one through three this morning. Verse one. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. I'm just going to let that hang a minute right there. Amen. Verse 3. Incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Father, it's good to be in your house. It's good to feel your presence we come to the part of the hour, Lord, that's so important, not because I'm doing it, but because you ordained the foolishness of preaching. Bless the hour, the moment. Lord, use the outline to be a blessing to your folk. And as always, if there's someone here or listening online that's never been saved, may this be the hour, the moment that you reach through the windows of heaven and beckon them through the Spirit of God unto you. May all of us walk out of here today, draw closer to you because of the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A rich man was disturbed and angry to find a fisherman sitting lazily beside his boat on a sunny afternoon. Perplexed, the wealthy man looked at the elderly fisherman and said, why are you not in the boat out there fishing? The elderly fisherman looked at him and said, because I've caught enough fish for today already. The rich young man said, well, why don't you go out and catch more than you need? Elderly fisherman said, well, if I had more than I needed, what would I do with them? The rich man replied, well, you could earn more money and buy a better boat so that you could go deeper and catch more fish. You could purchase nylon nets, catch even more fish and make more money. And soon you'd have a fleet of boats and be rich just like me. Elderly fisherman looked at the rich young man and said, then what would I do? The young man said, well, then you could sit down and you enjoy your life. The elderly fisherman looked over at him and said, well, what do you think I'm doing now? The reality is, folks, we live in a world of dissatisfied and discontented people. Even among church folks, we live in a society that thinks that satisfaction comes with things and pursuits. Hear me this morning, there's no sin, shame, or sorrow in having possessions, but will you listen to me? Possessions don't bring deep-seated satisfaction. Spending time making money just so that we can accumulate more things is not the secret to happiness. There's no sin, shame, or sorrow in having pursuits, uh, hobbies, things that we enjoy doing. Uh, but would you also amen me? Uh, those will not bring lifelong, eternal satisfaction. Regardless of what you pursue, regardless of what we have monetarily, 
at the end of the day, when we breathe our final breath, uh, what you have accumulated will not be what matters. What will matter is what you've done with Jesus Christ. So I want to give you a message this morning that I'm entitling, I'm Satisfied with Jesus. I'm satisfied with Jesus. Three things that I invite you to note with me this morning regarding what the prophet Isaiah writes here in chapter 55. Note number one, there are offers of an invitation. There are offers of an invitation. In these three very simple verses, Isaiah promises three things to those who are looking. Three things to those who are searching uh, for something uh, special in their lives. What are the three things? Well, go back with me, if you would, please, and note in verse number one, he says, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. In that verse, three things he says, number one, water. The first thing he offers is water. I want you to understand, folks, uh, uh, water is, is perhaps the most important substance to humanity. Our bodies are, are comprised uh, of more than 60% water, and it takes a lot of it to keep us alive. You understand that the human uh, can go days, weeks, and, and sometimes many weeks uh, without food, but you can only go a matter of a few hours, more, no more than 36, without some kind of water. Water is absolutely necessary to keep us alive. There's a reason why if you go to the emergency room and they do almost anything to you, one of the first things they're going to do is hook you up to fluids. There's a reason why fluids are so important to the human body. What I want you to understand is that water in Scripture is very often a type, an image for the new birth. When John is conversing, or John writes rather, that Jesus is conversing with Nicodemus in chapter 3, and the question goes back and forth, and Nicodemus says, how can I inherit eternal life? Jesus says to him in chapter 3, verse 5, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You flip over one more chapter, Jesus is having a conversation now with the woman at the well of Samaria. She asks him a question regarding what they believe. She says, we believe that you got to come here to Jacob's well. And Jesus said, you drink that water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink the water I offer, you will never thirst. Would you look at me, church? Many of you are like me. Not proud of it, don't like to talk about it because I don't ever want anybody to think I'm glorying in my past. But I've tried a few waters of this world and I realized that they left me unsatisfied. I realized that you could take a sip of the world and tomorrow you needed more and the next day you needed more. I am so glad for the day when I took a sip from the fountain of living water and realized that indeed there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood, they'll lose all their guilty stains. First thing he offers is water. But in that same verse, not only does he offer water, he also offers wine. You see in the middle of the verse there, yea, that hath no money, come by ye and eat, yea, come by wine. I think most of you understand that in biblical times, wine was just as important as water. In the part of the country there, and in still many parts of the world today, the water's unfit to drink. 
it's not purified, it's laced with bacteria. So a little bit of the fermented wine would kill the, wa- kill the bacteria in the water, making the water fit to drink. Absent uh, that fermentation process, the water would be deadly. So wine was absolutely essential in that part of society in order to make the water even fit to drink. In Scripture, wine is also a type, an image, or a symbol for the Spirit of God. Throughout the Psalms, you read manifestations, commandments regarding the wine and in taking it to enjoy the fullness of joy. And in fact, 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 8 describes our satisfaction as joy unspeakable and full of glory. How many of you understand today that you can be unhappy and still be full of the joy of God? You've heard me talk about this. Happiness is temporal. It's dependent upon surroundings. It's it's dependent upon what's happening in your life. But joy is deep-seated. Joy is that which cannot be taken away. Joy is that which the world doesn't give. Therefore, what's going on in the world can't remove it. There are days, I promise you, contrary to what you might hear, there are days when you're not going to be happy. There are days when you're going to have bad days. There are days when everything's going to go wrong. There are days when you don't like the news that you get, when your heart breaks, when the world seems to be falling apart. But hear me, even in those days, the child of God can still have joy unspeakable and full of glory. He promises water. He promises wine. But also in that same verse, he promises, if you'll note at the last clause there, come by wine and milk. Come by wine and milk. I don't need to tell anybody in the room that milk is absolutely essential for human growth. Milk's the first substance that newborn babies receive for their nourishment. Milk is the provision of the mother for the hungry baby. Milk contains all of the essential nutrients needed to transform a baby into a healthy, full-grown child. But in the Bible, milk is always an image, a type, or a symbol for the Word of God. May I say to you this morning, not only does God give us the water of life, Not only does he give us the spirit of God that gives us joy, but I submit to you uh, that he also gives us the word of God that helps us grow into the strong Christians uh, he meant us to be. I hope somebody will amen me here. It's not that we don't have it. It's that we don't take of it. You understand, folks, uh, that when a baby is squalling, uh, you can shove a bottle in its mouth, but until that baby calms down just a little bit, you can't feed it. I submit to you this morning, uh, the issue is not that we don't have the requirements. Uh, It's not that we don't have the instruction manual. Uh, It's not that we don't have what thus saith the Lord. It's that we just don't like to apply it. Thank God he didn't leave us directionless. The provisions. Not only does Isaiah give us the provisions, here's my favorite part of the message. He also gives us the right price. He gives us the right provisions, but he also gives us the right price. How many of you understand this morning that the world makes you pay for everything it offers? 
How many of you understand that religion will make you labor for every blessing you receive? Sin and the flesh will make you pay dearly for any promise of contentment that you think you might find. You've heard me quote this scripture a million times. Indeed, there is pleasure in sin for a season. But somebody say amen. The price you have to pay after the season ain't worth the pleasure you find in the season. There's always a price to pay. But look at what the Bible says in verse 1. The last clause, coming by wine and milk. Read that with me, church. One, two, three. Without money and without price. Without money and without price. What are you saying, Pastor? Uh, here's what I want you to get, folks. Uh, yes, uh, the Lord uh, offers uh, joy. Uh, yes, uh, the Lord offers contentment. Uh, yes, the Lord offers his word. Uh, yes, the Lord offers celebration and praise uh, and a life that's full of blessing. Uh, but here's the best part. It costs you absolutely nothing. It is 100% free uh, to anybody that wants it. It is the only thing in this world, it is the only thing in this life that will totally transform everything about you and cost you nothing. I heard once when I was pastoring, a, or rather preaching a revival many years ago, a testimony service began to break out. And this young preacher uh, began to stand up. I know he meant well, uh, but he began to talk about all the things he had to give up when he got saved. Would you look at me? Uh, there ain't nothing back yonder uh, that I want to hold on to. There ain't nothing back there uh, that is, has anything worth me holding on to. Uh, what God has given me on this side, of, what God has given me on this side of grace is so much better than what I had on that side of grace. Number one this morning, note with me the opportunities of this invitation. Number two, the offers of this invitation, number two, the opportunities of this invitation. Go to verse number two, please. Verse number two gives us three specific opportunities that we have when we accept this invitation. Verse number two makes very clear. It says, wherefore, the word wherefore means why. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and you labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good. And let, the let, so, let, and let your soul delight. May I say to you this morning that God promises those that come to him that their soul shall live. You read about that specifically in verse 3, incline your ear, come unto me here, and your soul shall live. I want you to think of the soul as like a light switch. There's only two positions. It's either on or off. There's no middle ground. There's no way to be halfway in between. It's either flipped on or it's flipped off. When it's flipped on, the soul is dead, according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. But when that light switch is flipped on, when the grace of a heavenly father is applied to a sin-sick soul, and that soul is turned on, that light switch is lifted, suddenly, just as Kara sang this morning, those who are blind can now see that which was dead is now alive, and it all happens at the very moment of salvation, because of one glorious moment of faith. 
that soul has been flipped on. Would you look at me, church? If you're like me, you have to stand or sit and testify that God has been good to you. I mean, I don't think there's a single one of us in the building who could not say God has blessed far more than what we deserve. I mean, think about the family. Think about your home. Think about your vehicle that you drove to church. Think about the clothes that you're wearing, the food. If you're like me, you probably threw away more food this week than you ate. Come on. Let's just be honest. We have been so marvelously blessed, but we also realize that all of that could be gone tomorrow. All of that could be taken away, but here's the good news. No matter what happens tomorrow, next week, or next month, I will never have my soul light switch flipped out. I will always and forever be saved. Not only does it give us the opportunity for salvation, he offers us the opportunity for satisfaction. Look at the end of verse 2. <laughs> Notice what it says. Eat that which is good. Let your soul delight itself. In, what's that word, church? In what? In fatness. <laughs> Let your soul delight itself in fatness. I've always said that my favorite verse in the Bible is bodily exercise profiteth little. Somebody give me an amen right there. I think this is a close second. Let your soul delight itself in fatness. Look at me. Look at Brother Ken. Between one of the two of us, one of us is more in line with that scripture than the other. I'll let you figure out who it is. But here's what it means, folks. When it talks about Letting your soul delight itself in fatness. That word fatness literally means abundance. It means to stand back and recognize the fact that not only has God saved you, this just, I have goosebumps on top of sweaty goosebumps. Not only do you recognize that God has saved you, but he has created for you a life that is far better than what you could have ever created for yourself. My son and I were talking about this last night. I took him to dinner. We were chatting about a few things with his upcoming wedding, and we just began to reminisce about how good God's been in both of our lives, about where we were and the things that God's brought us through and the directions in which we've gone and the things which have occurred and how we've gone from one place to the next. And, 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 and I just looked at him and I said, James, there's one thing you can never remember, or cease to forget, rather. One thing you can never forget and always remember, uh, that God has marvelously blessed us. I encourage you, folks, for those of you, think about where you were before you got saved. Think about the direction you were heading in. Think about the life you were leading. And think about where you are now. Think about what he's done for you. As you gathered around your Thanksgiving table this past week, think about the blessings that he's bestowed upon you that can only be accounted by his goodness and his grace and his mercy. I know some of you have had difficult years. A lot of us have had difficult years. 
I don't think Brother Darrell would mind me sharing this. He was chatting with me this morning about how hard it is uh, watching his mother lay in that hospital bed and not being able to, to react and not knowing what's going to happen. And any one of us that's buried a parent, a loved one, a child, a family, we get it. We understand. But in the midst of the heartache, God's still good. I mean, I could give you a hundred stories about, I mean, you've heard most of them, about my mom and her last final moments, but I think probably my favorite is, is, is the day she decided that her treatments were over, she was done, no one and nothing else. Uh, we call the family in, uh, everybody comes down, and mom had only been semi-lucid for several days, but God gave us a wonderful day that day. Mama starts giving everything away. She's laying there in the hospital bed, and she says, now, Nick, I want you to take care of Lydia. Nick says, yes, ma'am, I will. And she looks over and says, now, Greg, I'm going to give you my mercury. You be good to it. I said, okay, Mama, I'll be good to it. And then she starts giving away the truck, and she gives away every vehicle that she and Daddy owned. But, and I'm not making that up. Daddy looks over at her and says, Shirley, I'm not leaving. You got to love tact, don't you? She says, what do you mean, Jimmy? She, he, he said, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I got to have something to drive. God is my witness. She looked over at me. She winked, and she said, you'll figure it out, Jimmy. Amen. <laughs> Hear me, church. Even in the midst of heartache, God's still good. A lot of you have heard me talk about this. My... My great-grandmother lived to be 105 years old. She died on her 105th birthday. Didn't get saved. She didn't get saved until she was 90 years old. Had a whole slew of kids and grandkids. Look, look at me. Never married. You figure it out. Got saved when she was 90 years old. For 15 years, she was the oldest living bus kid in Tazewell County, Virginia. For weeks, she hadn't spoken. Weeks, we were just waiting for the Lord to come get her. The day God called her home, her eyes popped open. She looked at her family and she said, hey, you see that? You see that? Her daughter, Louise, we call her Wheezy. Wheezy said, mama, what do you see? She said, you see that? Wheezy knew what was going on. She's a nurse. She said, Mama, we don't see it, but we know you do. God is my witness. Wheezy testified this. She said, she went around the rooms, about six or seven of them in there, and she got confirmation from every single one of them that they would go where she was heading. Are you going? Are you coming? Are you going to join me? And after each one of them said, Mom, we'll be there. Granny, we'll be there. God reached over and called her home. Now, don't misunderstand me. Everybody cried. We wept. Our hearts broke. Dad and I got to preach the funeral. Uh, ten members of our family got saved at the nursing home that day, or at the funeral home, rather, that day. Hear me, folks. Uh, even in the midst of tears, heartache, and sorrow, God is still good. Number three this morning, I'm hurrying. Not only the offers of this invitation, the opportunities of this invitation, finally, the obligations of this invitation. There are some requirements. I want to be clear. It's free. Can we say amen to the fact it's free? But there are some obligations. There's some things that are required of us. What are they? 
Well, look at what it says in verse number one. Ho, every one that thirsteth. Hear me this morning, folks. Thirst is a common human need. Every person on the planet experiences it. And there is an innate desire among everyone to quench a physical thirst. Hunger is one thing, but thirst is something altogether different. And listen to me. I know whereof I speak. You got to be careful what you use to quench that thirst. You got to be real careful. Can I give you a quick story? Years ago when I was in undergrad, I spent my summers at a Jewish boys camp. Three years I spent there uh, called Camp Area. Learned more about the Old Testament than I ever did in seminary. It was a fantastic Bible undertaking for me. And believe it or not, don't say amen, I was really in shape back then. Appreciate you not saying a word or laughing. Amen. Played a lot of tennis, ran all the time. There was a sister camp uh, between uh, uh, about seven miles away called Camp Louise. Louise was for the girls. Camp Airy was for the boys. Camp Airy was at the bottom of the mountain. Camp Louise was at the top of the mountain. We had a co-mingling event. Uh, and I decided because I was off that evening, uh, I was not going to ride the bus home. I was going to jog it. It was downhill. Don't look so impressed. So I jogged from Camp Airy down to Camp, excuse me, from Camp Louise down to Camp Airy, a distance of about seven miles. When I got to Camp Airy, I was so thirsty. Dummy forgot to pack a water bottle. And so I go into the cafeteria, and instead of grabbing a water bottle, I chugged a gallon of orange juice. Now look at me. It tasted so good. And the more I drank it, the more I want. I, I turned it up thinking I'm only going to have a sip or two and then I'll get water. But by the time it was done, I had drunk the entire gallon. I felt good for about 17 seconds. And then all of a sudden, it won't pretty. I mean, there, I'm not going to gross you out. But let me just say, there was a mop and a mop bucket in my future. It was disgusting. You got to be real careful what you quench your thirst with, folks. Had I, had I gone for the water, uh, had I done it correctly, uh, had I listened to that voice in the back of my head that said, I know it tastes good, but you got to stop. Uh, you're going to regret this. Uh, things would have been altogether different. God help us, folks. Uh, we got people today uh, who are quenching their thirsts uh, with that which is going to cause all kinds of mess come tomorrow. Thank God for the day when I took a drink of Jesus. Amen. Notice not only is there something that you got to have, a thirst, but there's something you got to hear. Four times in these verses, God tells the Israelites through Isaiah that they need to hear this message. When he says, ho, in verse number one, it means listen, pay attention. When it says, hearken diligently, it means pay attention. When it says, incline your ear, it says, pay attention. When it says, hear, it means, hey, 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 look at me, pay attention. You'll appreciate this, Brother David, Miss Gloria. Last night in chatting with my son in these few hours before he gets married, I did what any self-respecting father would do. I looked at him and I said, son, pay attention to me. 
I said, look at me. You hurt her, and I'll kill you. Say amen, Brother David. <laughs> I said, you treat her right, and you treat her the way you've been raised, or I'm going to kill you. He said, Daddy, what do you mean? I said, let me explain it a little bit better. You hurt her, I'm going to kill you. He said, Dad, I'm your son. I said, I know, James, but your mom and I like her better. Amen. <laughs> don't, be, don't look at me crazy. My mama used to tell me all the time, if anything happened to me and Renee, she's going with Renee. Amen. <laughs> all the time. Daddy don't feel that way. Amen. But mama did. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What it means is, hey, pay attention. Look at me, folks. Amen me right here, and I'm done. We've got everything under the sun grabbing our attention. We can laugh and joke. James and I carried on, had a good time. But the reality is everything under the planet is grabbing our attention from the things of God. I think if Jesus were here today, he'd say, hey, 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 pay attention. I've given it to you already. I know you're distracted, but oh, hey, hey, right here. Look, it's right here. If you want the life I've got for you, right here it is. You want the best that you can imagine? Right here it is. Close your Bibles, I'm done. Give you one simple statement. Think about the life you could have had without him. And the life he's given you now. Would you stand with me this morning? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Come get us one verse, Brother Ken. We're not going to have a long invitation. Every head bowed and every eye closed. How many of you would just raise your hands and say, God's been good. Amen. You can put them down. Is anybody in the building that would just be honest and say, Preacher, God's good, but there's something my family and I were struggling with where we need to feel His answer, His guidance, His leadership. Pray for us. I'm seeing hands go up. My goodness, thank you. My goodness, all over the building. Thank you so much. You can put them down. If you raised your hand this morning, I encourage you to step out to this altar. You can surely pray right there where you are. If you want to come to this old tear-stained altar, Bring it to a Father who loves you, who's never going to walk away from you, who's never going to abandon you. Would you step out right now? Let me ask you one more question. Is there anybody in the building? Let's be honest. Search your hearts. Anybody in the building that would say, Pastor Greg, I'm, I'm not sure of my salvation. I'm not sure if I died today that heaven would be my home. Pray for me. Anyone like that this morning, pray for me. Father, bless the invitation. Use it to draw your people, to draw the lost in Jesus' name. Amen.
favorite hymn, all of you know 397, little as much when God is in it, but my favorite verse in all of hymndom is the second verse of this song, which we don't sing very often. Amen. It says, the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. Amen. And there may I, though vile as he, Amen. wash all my Amen. sins away. Can we sing the second verse and we'll go to the house? Let's sing it together. Dismiss us in prayer. Remember, no services this Wednesday. Hope you can join us Friday. Brother Ken, pray for us. Amen. Heavenly Father, sure has been good to be in your house this morning. God, we are a, a needy people, Lord, but we're also thankful and grateful, Lord, for what your son done for us on Calvary's cross. God, without Jesus, we wouldn't even be here today. Probably would be out there still living in the world, but God, thank you, Lord. He pulled us away from that. God showed us how good it is to be a child of God. Lord, we thank you for the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. God, we lift Randy and Ellen Harris to you, Lord, as they're battling the crud. God, I pray, Lord, you'd bless them. Father, many others, Lord, who's going through difficult times and, and sickness, God, may you touch their bodies as well. Father, be with the Biggs family. God, it sure was good to be around the church family today. God, it was good to be in your house. Lord, thank you for the message you brought by our way. God, may we apply it to our lives. Lord, we love you today because you first loved us. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen.